Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. So today, I don't know, I don't know how many of uh, the ladies in the room are going to, to understand these conversations, uh, but guys, I know that we love goat conversations. And some of you are like, I've never talked about a goat in my entire life. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about greatest of all time conversations. Guys love greatest of all time conversations. I don't know why, but I can sit around and talk about the greatest anything with my guy buddies all day long. Um, think about like the greatest gas stations of all time. On the count of three, I'm actually going to have you tell me what you think the greatest gas station of all time is. Okay, one, two, three. Yeah, Quick Trip. It's, if you didn't say Quick Trip, you're not from Wisconsin. The people who are like mobile, I don't, I don't know. This is on social media, and so mobile's going to be really mad at me now. Um, but we love, we love these conversations most of the time. Uh, greatest commercial jingle of all time. It's obviously the Oscar Mayer Wiener song. And you know that's the case because now it's in your head and you're not going to hear any of the sermon because it's just floating in there. Uh, but obviously for me, and you guys know this about me, I love sports. The, the sports goat conversations are always my favorite. Um, who's, the, who's the greatest in one sport of all time? Or who's the greatest in all the sports? You got you know, guys like Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, Michael Phelps, Muhammad Ali, Tom Brady, Wayne Gretzky. There, there's so many choices to choose from. And it's, it's impossible. And so that's why these conversations, they can go on forever and ever. Now, a lot of the guys in the room, they're right now, they're holding back. Because as soon as I said one of those names, they're like, oh, that's it. Raise your hand if somebody whispered to you their goat as I was mentioning those. They whispered it to you because, yes, I knew it. I knew there was going to be some of them. If, my, if I was sitting next to my wife, I'd have been Jordan, Jordan, every time. We love these goat conversations. And some, sometimes it could be about just about anything. It could be like your favorite fast food restaurants. It could be your favorite makeup company. Lady, there's ones for you, okay? Um, favorite makeup company. I could get in an argument with people about the greatest toilet paper. Now, I'm going to say it's Quilted Northern 2-ply. Because 3-ply is way too plush and it clogs up everything. 1-ply is just mean to do to people. I got, I got a friend, and we've been good friends since, like, first grade. And the dude has made a lot of money in his life. And his wife still chooses to go to the dollar store and get one ply. And I can't understand. In fact, it's like she looks around the, the dollar store and she doesn't just find the one ply. She finds rolls of sandpaper and brings it home. She puts it on the toilet paper thing. And I'm like, she's like, oh, well, that's good for my friends. No, it's not. And I tell her every time. It's not good. Now, we can probably be friends if you buy one ply. Do this as a favor for me. If you're going to invite me over to the house and you're a one-ply buyer, let me know so I can bring my own Quilted Northern. I'm going to treat your house like it's China, because I guess you have to carry your own toilet paper around in China all the time. So just please do that favor for me. But there is, there is greatest everything, even toilet paper. There's a goat for toilet paper. One of my favorite conversations of all, though, is, is television shows. I will, as soon as we start talking about people's favorite television shows, here's how much of a dork I am. Maybe I've said this before, but I have a note in my phone that has the list of my favorite non-comedy television shows of all time. It is a list 43 shows long. 
Now, it doesn't mean I've watched every show in, of those programs, but for some reason it's on there. And for me, I like the conversation because I, I love the idea that maybe I give somebody a good idea of a good show to watch or, or maybe they've got a good show that I need to watch. But for me, it always comes down to my three favorite shows, and I don't know if it's ever going to change at this point. My three favorite shows, 24, Prison Break, and Sherlock, the BBC version of it. Now, all these, all these shows are great, but the greatest of these is always going to be 24. Now, we're, we're finishing up this series in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's the love chapter. We're talking about what is love. And as I said that last little bit there about all these shows are great, but the greatest of these is 24, it might have dawned something in your brain from a verse from this passage. I'm going to read the last verse of this passage. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. I love that Paul has given us a goat argument to talk about today. What is the greatest? He's saying the greatest of everything is love. Faith, hope, and love, they are all great. They are all meaningful. They're all important. But for some reason, Paul says that love is the goat of everything. Question is, what's his reason for saying that? Does it matter to us? Does it have any bearings on the way that we're supposed to, to live our lives as followers of Jesus? That, that love is like the greatest thing that we can give. So what is it about these three words? Faith, hope, and love. What is it about these three words that makes them so important? See, Paul has just been spending a lot of time in this chapter talking about spiritual gifts. And these, the, the people in the Corinthian church, we, I don't, I'm not going to get all into it because we've talked about it for a few weeks, but they have been immature in their carrying out of the spiritual gifts. Things like speaking in tongues and prophecy and healing. All this. They're doing it, but they're kind of doing it without actually showing love to the people around them. And what Paul is saying here is spiritual gifts are great, but it's really about these three things, faith, hope, and love. But interestingly, he had, not, he had not said anything about faith and hope throughout this whole chapter. And then all of a sudden, he just forgets about spiritual gifts in, in verse 13, and he throws faith and hope into the mix. And really, what he's, what he's trying to get at is the spiritual gifts are great, but they're nothing without these three things. Don't get me wrong, Paul's not saying the spiritual gifts are not important. They definitely are important. But they're nothing without, without these three other things. And there, there's a theologian named Gordon Fee. He writes this. Together these words, faith, hope, and love, embrace the whole of Christian ex existence. Faith, hope, and love, it is, it is what wraps up our whole Christian existence, following Jesus. It comes down to faith, hope, and love for us. That's what it is. Spiritual gifts are important, but they're only important when they're also alongside faith, hope, and love. And so what is faith? What is hope? What's love? They really build on each other. Faith, hope, and love, they, they just kind of build from one to the other. Faith is something that we direct towards God. It's a trusting him for forgiveness, that we have this acceptance through Jesus Christ. And so we put our faith in Jesus. And then hope is is because of that faith, we now are able to have a hope for the future. And we are not people that just live in the present. I love, again, what Gordon Fee writes about this. He says, our hope in Jesus makes us capable of being thoroughly future-oriented people. The present age is on its way out, enabling us to live in the present, not conditioned by its hardships or its suffering. 
nobody is saying that life with Jesus is just going to be easy. There is suffering that's going to come along for every single one of us. Faith and hope is meant to drive us through those things. We don't just stay in the present. I had a, a young man who was in my youth group. Man, we're talking eight, ten years ago now at this point. He, he just texted me this morning. He's like, hey, I, I, wish, I wish I could get a hug from Kellen today. And I was like, what's going on? And he said that his mom woke him up. His, his sister had passed away last night. And I don't, I don't care what kind of faith and hope you have. That stuff is real. And it's going to hurt. It's going to sting, right? But the faith and hope that we have, it does give us this, this mindset that's not just in the present. We can have a hope for the future. And then what happens is that faith and that hope, they work together. And now it moves us to a love for the people around us that is, is driven by that faith and that hope. These three, are the, they're the centerpiece to how we are supposed to live our lives as Christians. But it's crazy though, because of these three, for some reason, Paul puts love out there at the top, that it's the goat. But faith and hope are really important. I mean, we, we don't have a relationship with Jesus without faith. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves. It's the gift, it's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Grace saves us. The grace of Jesus saves us, but only through the faith that we've placed in Jesus. So faith is really, really important to us. Hope is really important to us. But still, he's putting love out there as the top thing. It, this, is, this is like a parent putting one child over their other children. You don't do that. I know me and my older sister, we joke all the time with my mom and dad that, that they like our little sister the most. If I really believed it, I probably wouldn't joke about it. Because it would hurt every single time and I would cry. I would just, there'd be tears. But because I think it, I think it's a joke. The way they respond to the joking, I'm still not sure. But I think it's a joke. Uh, but it, a parent who really loved a parent, a kid more than one or the other, they wouldn't actually say anything about it. They would just keep it quiet. Why is Paul saying this? Faith and hope, I feel like they have a bone to pick with Paul. What in the world could, could make love greater? And here's at least part of the answer. Faith and hope are necessary and important today. But a day is going to come when Jesus, we're with Jesus, and we will no longer need faith or hope. Faith and hope are actually kind of temporary things. Uh, when we see Jesus, faith is no longer going to be necessary. When we are with Jesus, our hope is actually going to be fulfilled. You see, faith and hope, uh, when it comes to eternity, they're going to give way to knowledge. No longer do I have to put my faith and my hope in God. I, I see him, I know him, and I can, it's just what it is. Faith and hope necessarily don't go with us in eternity. But love goes on for eternity. And it doesn't just continue on. The love that we understand from God, it gets better and it gets better and it gets better as we see Jesus. And so the first part to this answer, what, why is love the greatest? The first part to the answer is love is eternal. Because love is eternal, it is the greatest. Again, 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. There are actually some fairly difficult things to try to decipher when we're reading this passage. Part of it is, is this, is this a temporal thing or is this a future kind of thing? He says, and now. Does that mean right here, right now? And nothing about the future? 
Or is, or is he saying, as it is, these th three things remain? The word remain, is that these th three things remain forever and ever, or they remain for just a time? When we look at it in, in all in context, what it seems that Paul is saying here is he's talking about, it's kind of a temporary thing. That these three things, they remain right now, but there is a future coming where not all three of these things necessarily are going to be necessary. And I think it actually helps us if we look back one verse ahead. We looked at this verse at the end of last week a little bit. But verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 13, it says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. You see, when, this, is, this is one of the things from Scripture that I love more than anything. There is this idea that when you and I stand before Jesus, when we see Jesus face to face, we are going to know him in a way that we've never been able to know him before. Faith and hope get to go out the window and we get to just know him. That's an exciting thing. But it also shows us why love is maybe a little greater because of its eternal standing. Love remains. And so because love is eternal... Love is greatest. What's the second reason love is the greatest? The second reason is this. Because the greatest thing that you can be known for is being a person of love. There is nothing in this world that if you were known for would be better than being known as a person of love. I, maybe you don't agree with that. Maybe you think that the things that I do in my job, that's going to that's gonna go further on than, than how I'm going to love people. That's the greatest thing. But I have not seen many gravestones that said, best CEO ever. Michael Scotts might, might say best boss ever, um, if you're a fan of The Office. But most of the time, it's things like he was a loving father and husband and friend. That's what people, that's what people are looking for on the gravestone. It's love. Full disclosure, I do need to admit, I did find one gravestone that, that said something about somebody's accomplishment. Bruce Lee, it said he was the founder of Jeet Kune Do. I thought that was kind of interesting. Just thought I'd throw that in there. Um, for me, I've always joked around about, I, I want on my tombstone, I want to say that he was an acquired taste. I just, I like it. And I, I thought about, I was going for my run the other day, and I was like, oh, here's a better second line. So he's an acquired taste, and we had just started to like him. I, I don't know what it is about that. I like that. Now, we talked about this last week a little bit, about that Jesus told his followers, his disciples, how they were supposed to be known. John 13, 35, by everyone, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love is how we're supposed to be known. And so it brings up a really important question. When, what do people think of when they think of you? When people get you in their mind, what is the thing that goes through their mind, uh, the, the thing that stands out a, a, a against everything else? What do they think about you? Now, I gotta be honest with you, I this question always terrifies me. So I don't really want to know what people think about me most of the time. I know what people think about my wife. They tell me all the time, she's the greatest person ever. She's so nice. And then I never follow up the question with, what do you think about me? There's a reason. Because it'll be something like, well, I, I don't know. We just don't know why she married you. That's what usually comes out. So how do people see you? Do people see you as a person of faith? Do they see you as a person of hope? Do they see you as a person of love? 
Love is the thing that we're called to be known for the most. What do you actually want to be known for? And I've been working with this, uh, this assessment that kind of takes a look at how you best work in the, in the workplace. It's called the Six Working Geniuses. Um, took, took the assessment, was looking at it. And sometimes what happens is when people take assessments like that or personality assessments, they don't like what comes up. I always joke with my mom because we, we take the love language test. And my mom, I think she came up at least at one time as her love language was gifts. She likes to give gifts, but she likes to get gifts even more. And I'm always like, Mom, you know that's kind of shallow, right? But then I, I'm like, well, okay, my love language is physical touch. It's also kind of shallow. It's like the only people of those five love languages that are not shallow people are the people that like quality time. Uh, you people are just better than the rest of us. You actually like people for, for them, not for yourself. It's awesome. But there's, we look at these assessments and we're always like, oh, I wish I was that instead of this. If you are picking out what you wanted to be known for, there is not a more important thing that we should pick out than being known for my love. I should want people to know that I loved them no matter what. No matter what they did, no matter what they said, they knew that they were going to have my love. You see, all three of these things, faith, hope, and love, they are all vulnerable. Incredibly vulnerable. It is, it is not easy to love people all the time. I mean, we get hurt. The moment that you start to love someone, the odds are at some point you're going to get hurt. Putting faith in somebody other than God, it hurts sometimes. Because we, In fact, even putting faith in God is hard because somebody else that we put faith in let us down. Placing our hope in somebody else other than, than God sometimes can be hard. And placing hope in God can be hard because we see this world as this hopeless place rather than a hope-filled place. It is vulnerable to dig into these three areas. But Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. Jesus is the perfect example of vulnerability. If you believe scriptures, it says that Jesus left his place with the Father in heaven to come down and become a man. To live in this world that is full of sin and death and decay. And he did that to become vulnerable to live in this world so that he could live it perfectly so that then he could one day die in our place so that we would not die in our sin. And in the end, most of us, at least probably a lot of people in this room, we, we look at Jesus and we think, the one thing that I think about Jesus is he was love. He was full of love. The greatest thing that he has given to us is love. And it is the greatest thing that you or I can give to somebody else. That we can love them unconditionally. So I, I, I question you again. Is love the thing that people would see in you the most? If they had, to, they had to say one thing about you, would it be that you are full of love? So that's the second part, but now we get to a third part. What is the third part about why love is the greatest? And that is love is an attribute, attribute of God himself. God actually is love. We talked about that verse a little bit last week. God doesn't actually have to have faith or hope like you and I have faith and hope. You see, God is able to trust in himself all the time. He is perfect. He doesn't have to have faith like you and I have faith. He doesn't have to have hope like you and I have. But I will say this, he loves better than any, any single one of us could ever love. And so love is this attribute of God. God's love was put on display in the greatest way when we saw what he did through Jesus on the cross. 
going to the cross, dying for us. That, that is a selfless kind of love that it, it's almost overwhelming when you really think about it, what Jesus did. It says in 1 John 4, 8, Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It goes on in verse 19 to say that we love because God first loved us. See, the, the purposes of, of God's love is so multifaceted. It, it shows us, love shows us who God is, but it also shows us who we are in God. Love is this binding thing between us and God and, and us and people. It's the engine that drives our spiritual lives. If you ever wonder why you're not in the place that you want to be at spiritually, I think the first place to question is, you know, a lot of times we go to, oh, I haven't been reading my Bible or I haven't been praying or I haven't been going to church. If we are struggling spiritually, I would say a lot of the times the first place to go is, how am I loving people? If I am not choosing to love people the way that Christ has loved me, then the odds are my spiritual walk is going to be hurting. Now, prayer and Bible reading, going to church, it might help us to remember to love people well. And so maybe they're, it all, it's a you know, circular thing sometimes. But our spiritual lives are driven by our love. So thinking back to this question of how people think about you. Because God is love, it is the thing that we see in him the most. It is the thing that, that most evidently emanates from God is his love. We can't help but see his love. You know, we've all wanted to be like somebody at some point in our lives. And what happens is when we, when we want to be like somebody, we try to emulate them. We try to imitate them. And so for me growing up, uh, what kid my age didn't love Michael Jordan and want to be like him? I was never going to be 6'6". But I tell you what I could do is I could go in my, basket, in my bedroom and shoot on my little breakaway hoop and I could stick out my tongue while I went for a dunk. But sticking out my tongue didn't make me make, that's not the thing that made Michael Jordan Michael Jordan. It didn't make me like Michael Jordan. When I was a little kid, I wanted to be like my dad. My dad was a pastor. And so what I would do is I had this white suit and I would put this white suit. If you ever watched Miami Vice, the old Miami Vice, the dude that wore, wore the white suit, that was me. I went to church with a white suit. And I would shake people's hands like I was a pastor. And wearing a suit and shaking hands wasn't what made my dad my dad. I was trying to imitate him, but it wasn't exactly the thing to imitate him. We can try to imitate God. We can try to be like God. But if love isn't the thing that we're trying to imitate the most, we are not imitating who God is. God is love. That is the only thing that we can really go after if we're trying to be like Jesus. Love might be the greatest, but we don't have to choose one over the other. See, we still live in, in this temporal life where faith and hope has to be a part of what we are. Don't think that, that Paul's telling you, oh, don't worry about your faith and hope. That, just go love people. Faith and hope is essential in this life. But if we lose love, we lose, we lose everything. We all like the idea, I think, of loving people well. Every single one of us, we're like, yeah, I'd like to love people well. You know, I used, to, I used to always want to be a good golfer growing up, but I didn't spend the time practicing golfing very much. I did want to be a good basketball player, and so I spent the time practicing basketball. Here's a question. Do you like the idea of loving people well, but are not taking the steps to make it happen? Do you like the idea of loving people well, but you're not willing to practice it? 
Because loving people, is a, it's an everyday grind. It's an everyday practice. It's not something that, that we can just say, oh, I'm not going to get up and do that. I was watching a video of Michael Phelps just yesterday with my daughters. And he said for six years straight, he got up and he trained every single day. And yet you and I, we take those moments uh, throughout our day or even some whole days and we're like, I'm not going to love today. I'm just sick of it. I'm sick of the people around me. That's... That's not what we're being called to do. We're being called to actually take a Michael Phelps type of approach. Every single day, every single moment of every day. My daughter's been practicing their piano a lot lately. They've got got some recitals coming up. And in practicing these recitals, they have to go over these like one or two songs a bajillion times. It is constant. And so one of the girls will go into our bedroom where the piano is and they'll start playing. And I hear the other three girls go, make it stop, dad. I'm like, I can't. They, she's trying to get better. In practicing, you have, to, you have to practice over and over and over again. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. But you don't see the, fails, the failure times as, as actually failures. You see it as the things that you have to get better at in. My daughters, they, they listen to their instructor tell them over and over again the things that they got to do and they, they continually work on it. And it's amazing how many times we give up the practice of love. We give up listening to the instructor of the one who's instructing us. And that might be God. That might be God through his word. It might be God speaking through our spouse or our best friend. Hey, this is how you're struggling to love. This is how you need to, to get a little bit better at it. But we stop practicing Are you practicing how to become the person of love that God has called you to be? If love is the greatest thing of all the things, if it's the goat, it's the one thing that we need to be driving for. If I'm going to love well, I have to be able to take correction from God and from the people around me as to how I'm treating people. You know what? I do not take that correction very well all the time. That's a hard thing to take correction on. In the moment when I'm being corrected, a lot of times I don't love the person who's correcting me very much. If you really believe that loving Jesus, that loving like Jesus loves is the greatest of all the things that you can do in your life, today will you just make a little decision in your heart. I'm going to do what it takes to practice love a little more. One of those places that you maybe have to start is actually accepting love. Sometimes the reason that we struggle to love is because we've failed to accept love. And so maybe, maybe your next step today is you have to get to that place where you accept God's love for you. That you know, you've heard the story that Jesus went to the cross and he died for you. But somewhere in there, you're still saying, I'm just, I'm not good enough. I don't deserve the love that God supposedly is trying to give to me. If we're going to love well, we have to learn to accept love from God. We have to learn to accept love from other people. Maybe you've been in a relationship with somebody that it's been... It's been torn apart at times. And you're struggling to get back to that place where you even accept their love for you. We're not going to love well if we aren't accepting love. But then the other thing I think where we need to take a next step today is, are you taking spiritual inventory in your life on a consistent basis of what, what the love that's coming out of you looks like? Maybe you haven't been living up to the ideal of what God's love in your heart looks like what does your kindness towards people look like today what's your patience look like are you letting go of bitterness are you willing to forgive people 
all of those things play into how we are actually loving people the way that Jesus has loved us. And so do you have a, do you have a person in your life? Do you have a group of people? Maybe today a next step is you've, you've got to actually go to somebody and say, okay, you know what? I know my heart's gotten a little hard lately. I know I haven't been quite the way that I should be. I've been a little short with you and with others. I, I am going to give you the freedom to speak into my life. Now, the dangerous thing is when we give people the freedom to speak into our lives about the difficult things, when they speak into our lives, we actually have to let them speak into our lives. Sometimes that's not very fun. So I'm telling you, I'm going to give you the humility. I'm going to, I'm going to be humble and I'm going to give you the opportunity to speak into my life and I'm going to, I want to hear it so that you can help me be the person that shows love the way that I'm called to show love. Maybe you simply need to, to go to God today and say, okay, God, I need you to bring conviction in my heart. Every time that I stop loving people the way that I'm supposed to, I need you to give me that conviction. Show me, remind me. Remind me of the love that you've given to me so that I can return that love to somebody else. I don't know, I'm sure that there are people in this room where you've experienced a hurt in such a way that it is, it, it's kind of backed up your ability to love. But I'm telling you, that's nothing that God can't fight through for you. When we give that over, the hardest thing to get rid of is a hard heart. We talked about that, I think, a little bit last week. Man, a hard heart is, it's not a place that I like to be. I hate it when my heart is hard. And it's so hard. I can't, I can't just click my fingers and all of a sudden my heart is better. Every day I have to get up and say, okay, God, make my heart what you want it to be today. Soften my heart. We are not gonna be growing in love if we're not consistently asking God for a softened heart. We are not growing spiritually if we are not growing in our love in a way that it looks more like the love that God has for us. If you wanna be growing in your walk with Jesus, this is an area that we all have to be growing in. Love is that thing that you and I are supposed to be known for. So that's my question for you as we're wrapping up. If people had to say one thing that they, that they would say that they know you for, what would it be? Can I say this? If you're saying it's my job, we need, some, we need to make some changes. We need to see what the priorities really are. If it's that my family is a success, maybe there's some changes in our hearts that we need to make. If it's my impatience, there's days where my kids would say that's the thing that they know me for. We need to make some changes. The thing that God wants us to be known for with the people in our lives is to be known for love. So let's ask him to help us be that today. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.